0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, November 5th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, in 10 days, more than 28,000 Kaiser Permanente nurses and healthcare workers will go on strike as the company fails to meet union demands. Then-science correspondent Al Stoller lets us know what to look for in this Sunday night's Sky. We'll take a brief look at entertainment news and weather before Felton Pruitt brings us along to the California Historical Radio Society and speaks with President Steve Cushman and legendary DJ Norman Davis.
1: Good morning. This is the California Report, and I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. At the beginning of this week, we told you about how thousands of unionized Kaiser Permanente and nurses and other healthcare workers in California are preparing to go on strike. That after months of fruitless negotiations with management. KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports that talks still remain frozen.
2: Unions for nurses, therapists, and other health workers have officially given notice. That means more than 28,000 Kaiser employees in Southern California will go on strike in 10 days after rejecting a contract that includes a 2% raise and a lump sum amount. They say it's not good enough. When I saw this proposal, I was so disgusted. Charmaine Morales is executive vice president for United Nurses Associations of California and Union of Healthcare Professionals. The union is also objecting to a proposed two-tiered wage system. Kaiser is proposing lower wages for future workers than for people on the job now. And I know some people may use other words, but I'm going to say it's baloney. We're saying no to the two-tier system and we mean it. For its part, Kaiser says healthcare is increasingly unaffordable, and wages are a big part of the reason. The company says its union members earn 26 percent above the average industry wage. A two-tier system would help keep costs down without cutting the wages of current employees. That doesn't sit well with Doug Wong, a physician assistant who provides mental health services at Kaiser Permanente Riverside. He'd be working alongside someone else making a lot
3: less money. My nine-year-old, she said, um, I want to be a therapist when I grow up, daddy. We have those uh-huh. in our union. It would be tough to say, okay, well, I'll sign a 26% pay cut for you in the future just to save my own skin for now.
2: Wong has been working with COVID patients for months in urgent care, taking extra shifts to triage the flood of patients during the height of the pandemic, then going back to his regular shifts as a therapist, where he helps people digest the trauma of losing family members
3: to the virus. You walk in from the the employee parking lot and and they have signs saying, you know, you're a hero. And and in some ways you kind of believe that that you're doing some good and that you're appreciated. And then it comes to negotiations. To have that sort of pulled away does sort of shake an understanding that you you thought you had.
2: California law requires a 10-day strike notice so that hospitals can prepare. If a solution isn't reached, pharmacists, nurses, therapists, and others won't show up for work starting November 15th. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles.
1: A new investigation from the Los Angeles Times has found that thousands of times a year, Los Angeles County Sheriff deputies pull over bicyclists for minor infractions. The cyclists are then searched, even though law enforcement has no reason to believe they'll find anything illegal. And this is disproportionately affecting Latino bicyclists. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi spoke with Times reporters Aline Chekmedvian and Ben Poston about their investigation.
4: We spent a lot of time in neighborhoods that were targeted by sheriff's deputies. We talked to more than 60 riders in East L.A. and Norwalk and in Lynwood and Willowbrook and other places, um, including 40 of them who had said they'd been stopped at least once, some multiple times. You know, a lot of them rely on on cycling to get to and from work, to run errands. Um, many can't afford to to buy a car or to drive to work or just as their main mode of transportation is, is cycling. So, you know, some of the people that we talked to, they kind of shrugged off these stops as kind of an inconvenience that comes with living in neighborhoods with high crime, and, but others felt that they were being harassed because they either fit a vague description of someone that deputies claim to be looking for, usually because of their race, or they were just being targeted because of the color of their skin.
5: And in most of the cases, deputies didn't really find anything on these bicyclists, correct? They didn't find any weapons. They didn't find any drugs. There was really no reason to pull them over and they actually released them.
3: Yeah. The search rate is so high at 85%, but they're finding contraband, illegal items such as drugs or weapons. You know, about 8% of the searches. So That's a very low, what they would call a very low hit rate a very low success rate of, of finding contraband. And yeah, I mean, you know, the, the search rate being so high is, is obviously concerning to a lot of people we talk to. But then when you look at, you know, Latino cyclists, so they're the most likely to be stopped compared to their share of the population and their share of estimated bike riders in the sheriff's patrol area. They're the most likely to be searched, but they're the least likely to be found with contraband.
5: Uh, The department has come under a lot of uh, criticism, Uh, not just recently, but over the last few years. I imagine this can lead to even further distrust in the communities where deputy shootings have occurred and killings have occurred. And there's already been a lot of protest about many of the actions of the department.
4: There have been, you know, high profile shootings in the last several years. And, uh, you know, the department's come under fire for having, you know, groups of deputies with matching t- tattoos within the department. Um, and, you know, currently they're under investigation by the state attorney general who is conducting a pattern and in practice investigation into whether deputies um, have violated the rights of, of residents in their patrol areas.
5: In terms of the sheriff's department, what's been their response to your investigation?
4: We sent the sheriff's department our our findings and, you know, they defended bike stops as a necessary and legitimate strategy in in fighting crime, and they said that the 8% contraband hit rate that Ben spoke about didn't raise serious questions um, for them, and they just sort of defended the
5: practice. Aline Cechmedian and Ben Poston are reporters for the LA Times. Thank you both so much for joining us today.
4: Thanks for having us.
6: Thanks. Support for the California Report comes from Real California Milk reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at RecycleTheJug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And the California Healthcare Foundation, Working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just health care system. On the web at chcf.org/health-equity.
1: And that is the California Report for Friday, November 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, and Brendan Willard, with assistance from Jim Bennett and Chris Hoff. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editors, Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editors, Ethan tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend.
0: If the clouds hold off this Sunday at sunset, the southwestern sky will be holding a treat. Al Staller sets the stage.
6: Some places are easier to live in than others. It's easier to find food, water, shelter in, say, the foothills of the Sierra than in the middle of the Sahara Desert. So it is in our solar system. The energy that plants need to make food, the energy that keeps water from freezing solid, That energy comes from the sun. But get too close to the sun, like planet Venus, and you'd have too much of a good thing. Venus is way too hot for life. Should the clouds cooperate this Sunday, Venus will be visible in the southwestern sky right after sunset, joined in the sky by the crescent moon. A beautiful scene worth driving to see. Looking toward Venus and the moon Sunday night, Looking toward the southwestern horizon any night for the next few weeks, we're looking toward the constellation Sagittarius, the Archer. Like all the constellations, Sagittarius is useful as a road sign to guide us around our galaxy. What makes Sagittarius special is that when we're looking toward Sag, we're looking right toward the center of our galaxy, toward the black hole at the center of our galaxy. Toward lots of hot stars packed cheek by jowl. Black hole and hot stars, hot stars that too often explode, makes the galactic center too hot to live. But turn your back to Sagittarius, and you're looking toward Orion the Hunter. Orion, too, is a road sign, but Orion points to the outer reaches of our galaxy, places where stars are few and far between, where the raw materials, the atoms for making planets, for making people, are scarce. So we find our solar system in a Goldilocks part of our galaxy, not too hot, not too cold and barren. I mentioned that Venus is too hot for life. Mars, on the other hand, Mars is too far from the Sun, too cold, to expect to find life on the surface today. Whether there might have been life in the past is still open. And so it's tempting to say that Earth is in a Goldilocks position in our solar system But it turns out that Earth is also a bit too far from the sun to be sufficiently warmed. That is, without the help of the greenhouse gases in our atmosphere, carbon dioxide and water vapor, methane and ozone, which warm us up. Though, here again, too much of a good thing can be a problem. There's one more thing that protects life on Earth, and even if you've only glanced at the sky, I'm sure you've seen it. 66 million years ago, The dinosaurs were destroyed when a huge chunk of rock slammed into Earth. Such collisions would happen a lot more often were it not for planet Jupiter, shining for some months now, bright in the south. Jupiter is a large planet, more than 300 times more massive than Earth, which gives it tremendous gravity, gravity that, over the eons, has grabbed such loose chunks of rock and whipped them out of the solar system, or into the sun, where they can do us no harm. Again, if the clouds are kind, this Sunday night, look toward the southwestern sky right after sunset for Venus and, right close by, the crescent moon. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller.
0: Before we get into entertainment news... Nevada County Public Health reports 27 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. Out of 9,154 cases since the start of the pandemic, 133 are active. 14 people are hospitalized, two in the ICU. And in this weekend's local entertainment news, starting at 9.30 tonight at the Crazy Horse Saloon in downtown Nevada City, Saints of Circumstance featuring Jesse Jennings on keys will be playing. The band promises to transport you to blissful moments if the songs and the vibe of the Jerry Garcia Band are dear to your heart. A committee from the Nevada City Council will be taking informal public input on changes to Commercial Street tomorrow at Nevada City's Saturday Market. Feel free to share your input on a variety of city planning topics, such as sidewalk and street width, seating, and preservation of the street's historical look. While the sun shines in between the weekend rain, amble across the newly restored and opened Bridgeport-Covered Bridge for the first time in a decade. The $6.9 million rehabilitation project is finally complete. Retired park ranger Don Schmidt says the 225-foot structure is the only one of its kind in the nation. The Bridgeport-Covered Bridge was constructed in 1862 and determined unsafe in 2011. This from the Union of Grass Valley. Kodo Arts Japanese Antiques will hold its annual fall warehouse sale November 6th through the 14th from 10 to 6 p.m. Open to the public twice a year, the warehouse is stocked with antique Japanese furniture, home decor, art, lighting, and kimonos. Stardust Station hosts a benefit for Nevada County Harm Reduction Coalition tomorrow from 3 to 8 p.m. The venue, 792 Nevada Street, across from the Northridge in Nevada City, presents a day of music, vendors, raffles, drinks, food, and more. 100% of all entry proceeds benefit the Nevada County Harm Reduction Coalition, our community's new and only harm reduction organization. Grass Valley's Peace Lutheran Church Fellowship Center, near downtown Grass Valley, hosts the first of two climate change seminars tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Environmental scientist and national climate writer, Dana Nucitelli, will be among the speakers. He will explain the basics of climate change and its consequences and answer audience questions. Nucitelli is an environmental scientist, climate journalist, and research coordinator for Citizens Climate Lobby. For over a decade, he has written about climate change for The Guardian and Yale Climate Connections. In 2016, he received the National Center for Science Education's Friend of the Planet Award, for his work. Nucitelli and other speakers will be introduced by nuclear engineer and Sierra College professor Sterling Bailey. The seminars are free and open to the public. And now for your regional forecast. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, cloudy with a low around 49, possible showers after 11 p.m. Tomorrow, cloudy skies with a 50% chance of showers, with a high near 52. And Sunday mostly sunny with light winds and a high near 52. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 32, gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Tomorrow, rain is likely mainly after 2 p.m. with a high near 45. Depending on your elevation, there's a chance of both rain and snow before 11 p.m. And Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 43. The National Weather Service has issued a special weather statement for the Truckee region. A fast-moving storm will bring increased breezes and chances for rain and high-elevation snow showers on Saturday. The next stronger storm will push into the region late Monday into Tuesday. Travel overpasses may be slick with snow showers by late afternoon tomorrow. The best chances for rain and snow will be late Monday into Tuesday with the bulk of the precipitation expected across the Sierra. Plan on periods of less-than-ideal travel conditions across the Sierra Passes due to snow and slick road conditions. Winds will increase ahead of the storm Monday into Tuesday, with gusty winds across the Sierra and western Nevada. A lake wind advisory is also in effect until 6 a.m. Saturday for Lake Tahoe. Expect gusty conditions and waves up to 4 feet. And for our friends to the south in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 50. Tomorrow. Possible rain before 11 a.m. with a high near 62. Sunday starts out mostly sunny with a high near 60. Clouds roll in Sunday evening. KVMR is always interested in what's come before in the storied history of radio. Join along as Felton Pruitt gives us an auditory tour of the California Historical Radio Society.
3: We're talking with Steve Cushman. I'm also joined by Norman Davis. We're at the California Historical Radio Society here in Alameda, California. And Steve, uh, I guess, are you the curator here? What are you here? I'm,
7: I'm the president of the organization, and um, CHRS was um, chartered in California as an educational nonprofit in 1974. And we have, for years and years, we were just basically a uh, a swap meet group with radio collectors. And every once in a while, we would put on an exhibit to fulfill our uh, 501c3 requirements. And uh, we were at the KRE building from in Berkeley from 2003 to 2013. And in 2013, we bought the building we're standing in now at 2152 Central Avenue in Alameda. This was the original telephone building for Alameda, built in 1900. Now, Norman
3: Davis, a legendary DJ starting at KYA in, what, 1959, right?
6: Uh, Yeah, yeah. 58 or
3: 59. All right, but most of us know you from KSAN in your days there with Tom Donahue, Tom O'Hare, and, yes. and the whole gang there. We're sitting in broadcast room here at the, at the museum
7: now. This is yes. a pretty amazing place. Yes. This, uh, we built this um, basically out of nothing. And what we're sitting in now is a replica, a, a working replica, of a 1958 uh, a radio control room with a Gates uh, Dualux audio board and two RCA C70 turntables and other appropriate gear for the time. And uh, hopefully we will. Uh, since this facility was only completed uh, some months ago, we will eventually be streaming on the air here. Hopefully, having live DJs playing live seventy eights <laughs> in some uh, in some form of streaming. What we also do here, while we have the turntables and other equipment, we digitize any audio. Uh You can bring in reel-to-reel tape or. Uh, cassettes, broadcast cartridges, DATs, uh, wire recordings, um, any kind of record, and we can digitize anything for you here that's a service that we're going to offer.
3: If people were going to come and take a tour of this building, just give them a quick little glimpse of what they might see.
7: Well, what we have here are uh, many artifacts from the history of communications. You can see everything in the building from a set of working teletype machines to our ham radio station, which is fully functioning, and uh plenty of radios, everything from very early wireless crystal sets on up through the battery sets of the 20s, then into the table models and consoles of the 30s and 40s, and uh deco sets and we sort of uh, celebrate radio here in all its and all every, everything about it. You showed me a bunch of old radios that your crew has rewired
3: with Bluetooth, so that you can be looking at an ancient, old-looking radio, but it's set up so that it can play in Bluetooth in your house.
7: Right. Um, what we have discovered is that the traditional radio collector, which was the base of this group, they were into historical radios. The wooden sets of the teens and the 20s and the 30s and some of the early plastics and stuff. But when we got into the 50s and 60s, the traditional collectors thought these radios were junk. Young people, and I mean people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, want an antique uh, to put in their kitchen or their house to play music on and the radios that we were throwing away for years are now the antiques that these people want. Uh-huh. So radios that were going into the landfill, we refurbish them, we replace all the parts and bring them all up to date and also for probably about 90 to 95% of them, we will hook up an auxiliary wire and you can either take that and plug that directly into your phone or you can connect it into a, a bluetooth fob. So now anybody can have all of these ancient radios in their kitchen playing modern music through these old radios, and people think it's very cool.
3: I'm looking at the wall. It looks like californiahistoricalradio.com is the website.
7: Yeah. uh, Easier than that, you can just go chrsradio.com, and you can pull up our website. We have a really good site full of information. Norman, do you have some questions for Steve? I think he pretty much covered the bases.
6: I'm so impressed with what he's done here because I saw this several years ago and it was a shell of a building. Oh, man, I can't tell you how proud I am of you, Steve. Thank you, Norman.
3: That
7: makes me feel good coming
3: from you. (laughs) That's Norman Davis. That's Steve Cushman. We're here at the California Historical Radio Society, which you can go on the website, californiahistoricalradio.com or chr.com. chrs.com.
7: Thank you. Thanks (laughs) a lot, Steve. All right. Thank you.
0: That's our newscast for this Friday, November 5th. Here's something you want to listen to again or missed a part of an interview? You can always listen to extended versions of our stories and interviews on our website at kbmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR gets support from the Nevada City Farmers Market, every Saturday from 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. in Union Alley through November, featuring sustainably grown food from local farmers, crafts, artisanal offerings, and live music. EBT accepted, ncfarmersmarket.org. And HBE Rentals, since 1994. Offering equipment rentals for contractors, homeowners, and businesses. Open daily and reminding listeners equipment rental is an environmentally sustainable option. HBE Rentals information at GoHBE.com. Up ahead at 6.30 is the California Report magazine. On today's episode, a look at identity an already complex subject that brings with it even more nuance for multiracial folks. On tonight's episode, we hear what it's like to be constantly asked while growing up, what are you? And how important representation for those from multiracial communities is, highlighted by how significant some felt the election of Vice President Kamala Harris was for those who had yet to see anyone like themselves on the global stage. Then at seven, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director, Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Don't forget to set your clocks back for daylight savings this weekend.